call the meeting to order. Welcome, everybody. Uh, the first order under call to order is recognizing alternates and welcoming new board members. Yeah, I just wanted to uh, say a few things um, and welcome uh, Councillor Andrew Dunn from Iowa City, um, who was appointed uh, just recently. Thank you very much for coming. And also, uh, Molly Abraham with the school district uh, is rotating on to our board. Uh, Ruthie and Malone had rotated off, so we're also happy to have uh, Molly here as well. Welcome. Uh, the second item is considering approval of the meeting minutes. Do I have a motion? Mr. Chairman, I would move to approve the meeting minutes with two very minor corrections. At the bottom of page four and the top of page five, discussing federal functional class in two places, the acronym in the brackets was FCC as opposed to ah. FFC. Thank you for that, and I had one as well. We misspelled uh, Eric Sittig's name, and I apologize for that, but we'll get that corrected as well. All right. Thank you. Do I have a second? Second. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Anyone opposed? Motion passes. Uh, the third item is uh, setting the next board meeting date for March 29th. Yeah, so our work program and some other things are gonna be due uh, at the beginning of April, so that's um, our typical time is about as late in March as we can have a meeting. Um, have not located uh, a room for that yet, but we will. Okay, good, thanks. All right, we move on to administration, and uh, the first item is report from nominating committee for the 2023 MPO JC board officers. <coughs> Thank you, Chair Thomas. Uh, myself, Mayor Fromm, and Councillor Goodrich met to um, discuss options for the chair and vice chair of this board and are nominating yourself, John Thomas, to be chair again and uh, Mayor Fromm to continue as vice chair. We have a motion to approve. So moved. Second. All those in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? All right, thank you, and thank you, Louise, for <laughs> serving as chair at the last meeting. Yeah, thanks. Thanks to the nominating committee. I appreciate it very much, um, and I also appreciate the work of the chair and vice chair. They've been doing a great job for us. All right, the second item would be consider approval of the FY24 MPOJC budget and financial forecast. Uh, yeah, thanks, and thanks for everyone for coming. Uh, my name is Kent Ralston, the director of the MPO. Um, in your packet is the proposed uh, FY24 budget and financial forecast uh, for your review. Um, as many of you know, the primary focus of the MPO continues to be fulfilling state and federal requirements necessary to receive our state and federal formula and discretionary funds, uh, produce locally generated traffic studies, uh, grant applications for your communities, uh, work on mapping services uh, and the like. Uh, the activities, um, of course, provide information which capital project design, funding, policy and program decisions are made uh, at your local levels. Um, as many of you know, the MPO is organized as a division of the Neighborhood and Development Services Department here in Iowa City. So MPO staff are also Iowa City staff by contract. Uh, personnel costs are determined by the collective bargaining agreement uh, by AFSCME, or the American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees. Uh, the overall budget reflects a 4% decrease uh, from FY23, primarily due to some junior level uh, planners we have now on staff uh, that replace some more senior level staff uh, within the last year or two. And uh, otherwise, the budget is nearly identical to past years, minus that small uh, change. Uh, the budget also reflects the continued use of internal carryover funds that we have year to year, and then also about $230,000 in state DOT funds, uh, planning funds, they call them, that also help support our uh, organization, uh, primarily for staff time and uh, operations. Uh, happy to answer any questions about the budget if there are any, and if none, we're looking for uh, a motion to consider approval of the FY24 MPO budget and financial forecast. Any questions for Kent? I would also mention one thing I forgot is that with the new <coughs> transportation legislation, we anticipate about an extra $50,000 uh, in planning funds in the coming years. So hopefully we'll be able to keep uh, the assessments flat or maybe even uh, show some future reductions as well. So that's a positive for everyone. There are no, do you have any questions or comments? Questions? I move approval of the uh, fiscal year 24 MPO GC budget Second. 
Any discussion? All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion passes. Uh, the second item under, or third item under uh, administration is consider approval of the FY24 Johnson County assessments for the East Central Iowa Council of Governments. Governments. Yeah, thank you. So as we've done in years past, uh, MPO collects East Central Iowa Council of Governments dues and then for Johnson County and then forwards those on to the East Central Iowa Council of Governments. Uh, ECI COG assessments are calculated on a per capita basis for the counties they serve and then we in turn uh, apply a per capita um, assessment to each one of the communities within Johnson County. Uh, for FY24, ECCOG has proposed a 2% increase for all the counties it serves, which is similar to what they've done uh, for many, many years. Uh, ECCOG is the designated regional planning association for East Central Iowa, including Benton, Cedar, Iowa, Johnson, Jones, Lynn, Tama, and Washington counties. Uh, and ECCOG provides planning and grant administrative services in the areas of community economic development, housing, transportation, and solid waste management. And Karen Kurt, who is the director of the Central Iowa Council of Governments, is here. Um, and I'm sure can answer any questions about their budget that you might have. So again, we're just, uh, we've got the assessment for you all for um, your communities. Uh, we'll collect those funds and then uh, forward those on to the East Central Iowa Council of Governments. Happy to answer your questions you might have on my end. Questions? Um, Consider a motion for approval. Move approval of the fiscal year 24 uh, Johnson County assessments for ECI COG. Second. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Motion passes. Any opposed, sorry. Um, the next item is discuss MPOJC orientation opportunities for board members. We missed three. Did I miss one? D. Oh, sorry. Consider appointments to the East Central Iowa Council of Governments Board of Directors. Yeah, Sorry. thank you. Uh, as a follow-up to our last item with respect to ECCOG, uh, at your November meeting, we also discussed the MPO entities responsible for appointments to the East Central Iowa Council of Governments Board of Directors for calendar year 23. Uh, per our bylaws, the entities responsible to appoint elected officials for this calendar year were Johnson County, Coralville, uh, and Swisher. And I have... Uh, been told that John Green from Johnson County would be representing uh, Johnson County to the board. Uh, Megan Foster, mayor of Coralville, uh, would be Coralville's representative to the ECCOG board. And Chris Taylor uh, from Swisher would be uh, Swisher's uh, designee for their board as well. And then the John Johnson County also has a citizen appointment that they make, and that would be Allison Wells, is my understanding, who is an employee of the county. Uh, happy to answer any questions you have about that, and this follows the new rotation that we put together with our bylaws that we adopted about two years ago now. So it's a slight it's a slight change to the the former rotation where the county now has a permanent uh, appointee for ECCOG and then also names the citizen appointment, which I think has been working very well. Questions? Uh, motion, please. So, so moved. Second. Any discussion of this? All those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion passes. Now we get to the discuss MPOJC orientation opportunities for board members. Yeah, this is an easy one. Uh, I just always like to offer an annual <coughs> orientation for either existing board members or uh, new board members that would like uh, some information about how the MPO operates. Uh, the work we do, the funding we receive and allocate and so forth. So um, if, anyone's, if anyone's interested, you can let me know now or later. Um, but we typically hold, uh, we try and find a time for everyone and hold a meeting sometime around March 1st, uh, give or take. Uh, that way you can receive the orientation before our uh, next board meeting. It's always a little awkward since there's a board meeting for uh, some folks before uh, the orientation. But if anyone's interested, uh, simple show of hand would be fine or you can feel free to contact me later. Okay, and you're done. And Molly Abraham, thank you. Okay, I'll reach out to both of you and uh, we'll find a time to meet. Thank you. And we move on to transportation planning. And the first item is public hearing and consideration of an amendment to the fiscal year 23-26 MPOJC Transportation Improvement Program, the TIP, amending the funding amounts for the I-80 six-lane widening project. 
All right, good afternoon. Hannah Neal, Associate Transportation Planner, MPOJC. Um, as John just stated, we are today asking the policy board to amend the adopted FY23 to 26 Transportation Improvement Program. As a reminder, the TIP is a programming document for all surface transportation projects that receive state or federal funds, including street and highway, transit, rail, bike, and pedestrian projects in the Iowa City urbanized area. The Iowa Department of Transportation has requested an amendment to the adopted TIP uh, to increase the federal funding amount and the total project cost for the I-86 lane widening project. Currently, project funding amounts are $6,140,100 in federal funding, and the total project cost is $7,224,000, and the amended amounts would be $13,983,300 in federal funding, and uh, the total project cost would be $15,537,000. And we are asking approval of the proposed amendment. And I can answer any questions you have, or I believe Kathy Cutler from the DOT is also here if you have questions. So the significance of this is that the project's already underway, but there's been some inflation um, issues, of course, and I think they're grading numbers, it sounds like, for the project were, um, were off. So um, the significance is, is that for the, the DOT projects to basically proceed, they need to have our transportation improvement program updated and corrected. Uh, this is a public hearing. Is there anyone from the public who would like to speak on this? Not seeing anyone, I'm gonna close the public hearing and ask for a motion. I'll move for approval. Second. Any discussion? This is uh, quite a increase in the cost of this project. It's um, went from 7.2 million to 15.5 million. It's quite a jump, one mile stretch. Anyway, um, all those in favor, please say aye. 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 Anyone opposed? Motion passes. The next item is a public hearing and consideration of an amendment to the fiscal year 23-26 MPOJC transportation improvement program, including new funding for bus replacements for Coralville Transit and the University of Iowa CAM bus. Thanks, John. Uh, Coralville Transit and University of Iowa CAM bus have requested an amendment to the TIP to include a new project funding source and funding amount for the capital replacement of a light duty bus for each of their fleets. Uh, the project and funding amounts for the capital replacement project of a light duty bus for the Coralville Transit Fleet would be $77,200 in federal money, $27,316 in local money, 45,421 in that shortfall assistance uh, for a total of $149,937. And the project and funding amounts for the new bus for the CAM bus fleet would be $92,528 in federal money, <coughs> $22,044 in local money, $32,393 in shortfall assistance for a total of $146,965. The Iowa Department of Transportation is offering this shortfall assistance due to recent dramatic price increases for vehicle replacement. Um, and in order for these uh, buses to be replaced to get that money, they have to be programmed in the TIP. So if you have any questions, I'm happy to answer. We are recommending approval. Uh, Hannah, I actually have two. Yeah. Uh, first, you said a light duty bus. Yes. What do you mean when you say that? Um, it's not a heavy duty bus. These would be a smaller bus, more, like, smaller a, more bus. like a paratransit bus. Okay. Yeah, these okay. aren't the heavy duty um, okay. normal buses you'd see on a fixed route. Okay, so yeah. a slightly shorter Correct. bus. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, do we have concerns and what happens if these are not able to be delivered? I mean, that, I, we're hearing a lot about just <coughs> a simple inability to get buses. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's a good question. I mean, so what, what happened to the significance of this, just like the last agenda item is, um, for these buses to be um, purchased with federal dollars, they have to show up within our transportation improvement program. They were in our transportation improvement program a few years back. 
But what happened was, because of inflation, basically the contracts for those buses were canceled by the, the provider, um, the manufacturer, I should say. And it's good and bad. The bad news is, of course, those, those contracts were canceled and the bus prices uh, went up dramatically. The good news is the Iowa DOT was able to provide this shortfall assistance, which is clean air attainment program funding. So they were, they were able to take some of those funds from another, um, well, from the clean air attainment program fund for the, the state and actually op and, and provide those for these buses. Um, so the contracts essentially will be revived, I guess, for lack of a better term, um, but actually, you know, to your point, Rod, when those will be delivered, I, I couldn't say. I know they're behind, um, obviously, and I think right now um, they've been under contract at least for a few years. But as long as it's in the tip, we could move as, forward if we had. Correct. As long as it's in the tip, the funding's there, um, and, and we're good to go. Yep. And actually, it's not in our existing TIP for that very reason, because they were actually funded and in the contract years ago. So it falls out of our transportation improvement program. Now we've got to sort of revive that as well to get the extra federal funding in there from the clean air attainment program. Yeah. So just following up on that, Kent, does that mean these are sort of new local dollars that we're adding? Uh, new federal dollars, correct. Okay, but if they yep. weren't, if these two buses weren't in the TIP before, the portion that is the local dollars is also an addition? Or are they actually replacing other vehicles that were already in there? I'm sorry, I'm not sure that I totally tracked that. You said the two buses had fallen off of RTIP, Correct. so they weren't programmed in there. Right. So now they're going to be added, yep. and there's the local amounts, the 27000 for the one, 22000 for the other. That's an addition like that wasn't allocated previously in the TIP. That would just be adjusted slightly for the match. So the local dollars would, the match on the new federal dollars, so the local dollar match would have just increased slightly. Okay. Yeah. Not the full amount. Correct. Center. Okay. Correct. Thank it would you. just be an adjusted match. That's my question. Yep. Thank you. Yep. And it's a 15% match. Okay. Yep. So to put a finer point on that one, can you, um, how much did that change Coralville and the University of Iowa's obligations from a local match then? It was a 50, was it a 15%? It's a 15% match, but what's that mean in dollars? They're not significant dollar amounts. No, here, we're but. talking within five or $10,000. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So in the scheme of things, it's pretty small for the purchase, but it's real. Yeah. You know, it's still real money. Yeah. Yeah. I think they were thrilled to have the, the state find the shortfall assistance and just be able to move this forward because otherwise it, it gets tougher and tougher. Other, and to be honest, otherwise the, the local uh, entities would have had to just kick in all of the rest exactly. of the funding. So, yeah. So this is a good, good thing to have, but a bad reason to have it, I guess. Okay. This Other is questions? A, oh, sorry. Uh, this is a public hearing. I, I'm going to open the public hearing for anyone who would like to speak from the public. Hearing no one, I'll ask for a motion, please. So moved. Second. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? The motion passes. Uh, the next item is considering approval of Federal Transit Administration Section 5307, Transit Operating Formula Funding Apportionment for Fiscal Year 2022. Thanks, John. Uh, the Iowa DOT has indicated that the MPO has a total of $4,565,146 available in these 5307 funds. Um, this amount includes small transit intensive communities funding as well. The funds are apportioned by MPOJC to Coralville Transit, Iowa City Transit, and University of Iowa Canvas. And using our formula of 25% operating slash maintenance costs, 25% uh, locally determined income, 25% revenue miles, and 25% fair revenue. As with past years, COVID-19 has created issues in calculating our current year FY22 apportionment due to changes in transit service and ridership levels, and this impacts the data used in the formula. After discussing with all three transit managers, we're recommending that we once again use the FY2019 data to apportion the FY22 funding. Um, FY2019 was the last full year of pre-COVID transit data that we have to use in the formula. Since the amount of funding being apportioned for FY22 increased substantially from last year, each transit agency will see a large increase in funding. 
The Section 5307 funds can be used for transit operating and capital expenses. The tables in your packets show the proposed FY22 apportionment using that FY19 data, and for comparison, the FY21 apportionment as well. Once approved, the MPO will complete and submit the required annual FTA Section 5307 applications on behalf of each transit system. The proposed FY22 apportionment for Corville Transit is $722,633, $2,799,804 for Iowa City Transit, and $1,042,679 for CANBUS. We are requesting approval for the apportionment of the FY22 Section 5307 operating funds. Again, I can answer any questions. <coughs> Hannah, I have a timing question about the, so we're continuing to use 2019 being the first, the last like pre-COVID year. At some point, presumably that would change, mm -hmm. you know, maybe just an acknowledgement of permanent shifts in, in, in transit ridership. Um, if hypothetically Iowa City ch stopped charging a fare and had no fare revenue at some point in the middle of a fiscal year, how might you anticipate that would change um, the allocation or how, how would you consider kind of putting that in? Right, so so, right, so we do this annually and, and like Hannah mentioned, um, these are 2019 numbers, yet presumably at some point we're gonna have to change this to, to something more um, contemporary. So uh, we had that discussion with the transit managers. They were comfortable using the 19 numbers again. Um, the other, so there's a couple things to this too and the formula we, the formula we use um, uses fair revenues, which the university has never had um, and and has argued is um, not unfair, but could be more fair, I suppose. Uh, so yeah, we've had that discussion with the transit managers, uh, knowing that Iowa City might go fair for a year or zero fair. And at some point, we're obviously gonna have to have that um, discussion on making a, a change to the formula. Um, I've talked to the three transit managers, uh, Iowa City, Coralville, and CAMBUS, and we're hoping to sit down in the next few weeks and just sort of start sorting some of that out. Uh, the other the other issue and the other thing we'll be discussing is that um, with all the COVID relief funds that the three agencies received, those funds also um, affect the locally determined income because depending on when you draw those funds down, that shows up essentially uh, as federal funding and not your local funding amount. So you could also sort of play that game if you wanted to with the formula. Um, we've all we've all decided, the three transit managers decided, I should say, to not use COVID funding in the locally determined income because, again, that was just an unforeseen issue that uh, we never had before when we came up with the formula, obviously. So, yeah, the formula is going to have to change one way or another. Um, and I think with Iowa City talking about going zero fare, the, the time is now any, anyway. And then at that same time, to answer your question, I think we'll discuss um, at what point we're going to stop using the FY19 data. And I would say we're <coughs> probably getting close. Um, I don't know this to be true, but if I had to guess, I would say Iowa City, uh, Canvas probably bounced back quicker than Iowa City and, and Coralville as well, just by way of operations. So um, there's also a little bit of strategy. First, you know, depend, I mean, I, I know none of the, the systems are playing the game necessarily with this, but there's also some strategy to when we would change that formula as well. So um, there's just a lot of moving parts there. But uh, suffice it to say, all three transit managers were happy with this. Um, as and the technical advisory committee also unanimously recommended this at their meeting last week. Uh, and the other good news, as Hannah mentioned, is you can see on page two of the memo that Hannah prepared, uh, the apportionment last year uh, between the three agencies was <coughs> three million, and it's jumped over four point five million now. So that's a good thing, and that is as part of the new federal transportation bill. So we can expect that to stay, uh, at least in the uh, near term. Um, it, just as a side note, you know, we've had, I think everyone in the room knows, we've had a really successful uh, transit system, you know, when you look at the three systems combined. Um, and we continue to have that, uh, which I think is exciting. Um, we're getting more funding now, and there's a lot of moving parts with uh, maybe going zero fare and some of these new buses we've just discussed. So I think, I think things, are, things are looking good, even though they were sort of grim a few years ago with the pandemic. When you're referring to the uh, federal infrastructure bill, are you referring to which which particular? So the, the actual transportation legislation that was put through in fall of, what would that have been, fall of 21? 
uh, the, the, the um, what is it actually called? They call it the actual bill, the bipartisan infrastructure bill. Gotcha. Yep. Or the bipartisan infrastructure <laughs> legislation, I should say. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I, I, J. I had to dig. I had to dig deep for that one. Sorry. <laughs> well, I have been. I mentioned this to Kent when I was with him yesterday, going over the agenda. And, and Iowa City and Ames, Iowa, actually are considered among the two best transit systems for small cities in the United States. So it's yeah. We, we do. We should be proud of our system. Yeah. So I'll get the statistics slightly wrong, but a few pre-pandemic, when you looked at Iowa City, Coralville, and Canbus combined, we were something like um, I'm going to say tenth, twelfth, ninth, somewhere in there, eleventh. Yeah, Aaron knows eleventh. <laughs> so we were eleventh in the country for ridership per capita. So it was you know New York City, uh, so on and so forth, and then you know Iowa City, Iowa, Ames, Iowa. I think was middle. 15 or something and then you get back into you know your um boston's and philadelphia's and these places so it's pretty interesting to see all right may i may i have a motion please move approval of the federal transit administration section 5307 transit operating formula funding apportionment for fiscal year 2022 i'll second that all those in favor please say aye aye, aye. aye. opposed <coughs> motion passes Uh, the next item is consider approval of safety targets and performance measures for the MPO as required by the Federal Highway Administration. Yeah, thank you. As you may recall, uh, the Federal Highway Administration now requires the MPO set targets for five safety performance measures as part of the Highway Safety Improvement Program, and then they re report those to the DOT um, every year. Uh, this is similar to the bridge and uh, pavement conditions and system performance measures that you all would have uh, approved at your last meeting, uh, just a different set of performance measures. Um, that said, for each measure, we will need to choose one of the following options. We either need to, to choose to support the state's uh, 2019 to 23 targets, which are in your packet, or set our own quantifiable target uh, and then report those to the DOT, of course. Uh, in either event, we're going to be required to state how projects that we program in our annual transportation improvement program uh, meet those goals. And then we also need to have those the same discussions in our long range transportation planning documents, um, which we just approved last May. Um, but barring any updates, we would have to um, have that same discussion of how we're meeting those targets. Uh, similar to past years, I would recommend that we again adopt the state's targets. Um, and I say that for a few reasons. There's really no clear benefit as to why we would set our own targets at this point in time. Also, setting our own targets is actually going to be fairly onerous for staff. Um, there's an actual process that would have to be um, put in place. And then we have to actually get those approved by the state. So there's a certain amount of staff time that would take as well. Um, and in addition to that, if at any given time we decide we do want to uh, come up with our own targets, we're able to do that each year before we would we would approve these. So um, that said, I would again uh, recommend adoption of the state's targets. Happy to answer any questions you might have. And in your packet, I included the, the details on how the state comes up with these numbers. Any questions? Or? Just a quick clarification, Kent. So these these numbers are per million per hundred million vehicle miles traveled. So it's all like it accounts for increases in population, right. or whatever. Why are they going up? Uh, they are they are slightly going up, but if you look, say on page, well, it depends which one we're talking about. So if you flip through some of the the supporting information. Um, they're trending down mostly. So for instance, on page two it is for number of fatalities. Mm -hmm. They're actually trending down overall, slightly up from- <coughs> Last four years. Last, yeah, four up. points or so. Um, and I, I, those are raw numbers, fatalities. Okay. So the more, you know, the more vehicle miles traveled we have, you would expect to have more fatalities. Um, and let's see here. Just trying to think if any of these did actually. I think primarily, Laura, they're trending down. Well, I mean, just on the chart in our packet, I think all of them, the number of fatalities, fatality rate, number of serious injuries, yep. serious, all, all of them are higher. Trending up. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I have a good okay. <coughs> rationale for that, to be honest. The fatalities one's fairly easy to explain because it's a raw number, but the other ones, um, I'd have to dig deeper into it. Yeah. One conjecture I might offer 
is because Iowa DOT is providing these numbers statewide is perhaps we do a better job of having safer roads in this neck of the woods. Yeah, that's possible. Um, but I don't know the answer to it, or to be honest, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're raw numbers they get out of their, um, well, for fatalities, they, get, they come out of their collision um, data. So, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I will mention <coughs> in, that, in that item there was a reference to the Iowa crash analysis tool. I don't know if any of you have looked at that, um, but it, it really allows you to drill down to a very um, high grain of detail where you can actually see on a map where all the collisions are taking place because it's not sort of an equal distribution, shall we say. Uh, so I, I find that very useful. This, for me, this number is so high up there, I don't know that I see it being very relevant to the way at least I'm concerned about our mobility in Iowa City or in the metro area. Yeah. And, and I would say too, and Laura, look, just taking a second to look at this a little closer, mm -hmm. um, you know, like the, seri the serious injury rate, so this is in the actual memo, this is the, the baselines, um, you know, we're up like a tenth, you know, per, so I, you know, I don't know what those equate to exactly, but maybe slight trends up, but I, you know, I don't know if it's earth shattering, I guess. Mm -hmm. Wrong direction, for, yeah. to, be, to be sure. I'd like to uh, consider a motion, please. I'd like us to consider <clears throat> approval of safety targets and performance measures for the MPO as required by Federal Highway Administration. Second. All those in favor, say aye. 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 Any opposed? Motion passes. Thank you. Now the next item is consider approval of MPOJC surface transportation block grant, transportation alternatives program, and carbon reduction program grant, grant funding process. Thank Emily. you. Emily Bothell, Senior Associate Transportation Planner. So we typically conduct our competitive grant process biennially, and this calendar year marks that next grant cycle year. Uh, this biennial process has historically reflected the desires of both our Transportation Technical Advisory Committee and our Urbanized Policy Board um, to allow for two years worth of funding to be allocated at once, thereby allowing for larger, um, thereby allowing for projects to receive larger funding awards. Um, we anticipate approximately 9.3 million in surface transportation block grant funding will be available for programming in fiscal year 27 and 28, and approximately 300,000 in carbon reduction funding that will be available for, for programming in fiscal year 23, so that's available right now. Um, our transportation alternatives program funding, as um, I believe I had mentioned at our last meeting, um, we have approximately $900,000 available, and that will be delayed due to pending program changes and revised progr program guidance released by the um, Iowa DOT. Until those details are finalized, we cannot solicit for TAP projects or apportion that funding. Um, we do plan to solicit for the STBG applications this year, and we will distribute those applications on February 1st. Um, but we do recommend um, delaying the solicitation for the CRP applications for the purposes of aligning them with the TAP program. Um, at their January 17th meeting, the Technical Advisory Committee had unanimously recommended to solicit for CRP and TAP um, in the winter of 2025, keeping with our biennial um, timeframe. At that meeting, we also discussed soliciting for the CRP and TAP um, projects in the winter of 24, so that would be next winter, followed by our standard biennial solicitation in the winter of 25, or soliciting for the CRP and TAP um, in the winter of 2025, um, keeping with that standard uh, solicitation. We did not hear that any community had a shovel-ready project or a project that would need immediate funding. Um, and with the 2025 timeline, communities could apply for both CRP and TAP funding to support one project, so we would have larger funding amounts available. Um, while the CRP funding is available now, just to be clear, the TAP funding is not available until FY27 and 28, so they are different timeframes. Um, today we are asking the Policy Board to consider the Technical Advisory Committee recommendation to solicit for CRP and TAP um, grant applications in the winter of 2025. 
and I'd be happy to answer any questions. Kent is also available. Yeah, this one's a little bit. This one's a little bit hard to track. That's a that's a lot. I understand. Um, I mean, the real question is is you know we've got three funding pools. The big one, which is our STBG funding, like Emily mentioned, we've got about $9.3 million to allocate this spring. Um, this board will allocate this spring. We move forward with that, um, no problem. Um, our TAP funds, which is the smaller uh, pool of funds that you all typically apply um, to trail projects and have historically, those we, for, um, we cannot solicit for projects for that pot of funding um, until a later date to be, to be determined. And again, that happened because of some of the new um, basically because of some issues they're having with the bipartisan infrastructure bill um, and some of the legislation, I guess, that came through uh, changed perhaps how they're going to have to um, manage that funding pool at the DOT level. So we're waiting on that. So we've got this funding. We'll go through the big pot of funding this spring. We've got the TAP funding, which we can't use. Then we've got the new funding pool, which is the uh, carbon reduction program funding. And as Emily mentioned, it's about $300,000 a year. We could move forward with the, with allocating those funds this spring, like we will with the big pot of funding. Um, however, they're very similar in um, uh, use of project. I guess eligibility is very similar to the TAP funds. They're, they're actually all TAP projects, so trails typically <coughs> are also eligible under CRP and vice versa. So I, I call it like TAP plus. It's almost the same. Um, however, we can get a little bit more creative with it, and I think we talked about that at uh, our November meeting. So uh, the real question of the board today is um, the Transportation Technical Advisory Committee last week just said, you know, because they're so similar, let's just punt and basically go through the application process for the two smaller uh, funding pools in 25. So not next winter, but the winter after, and that aligns it with our typical um, every two-year process. Alternatively, we could do this next winter. So we could kind of get off cycle, and then we could also do the two smaller funding pools off cycle. Um, and that's, I think, the real question for you all today is, is do you want to sort of get off cycle next winter and go through with the two smaller funding pools, or do we just wait till 25 and, and then we'll have all three available um, again? But in any event, to be clear, we'll move forward with the big funding pool uh, this spring, which is exciting. And that has also grown substantially because of the new transportation bill. So the advantage to moving, um, keeping them together is that there's just a little bit larger pool of dollars to, to pull from biannually. Bi Correct. Bi Correct. Okay. Yeah, yep. there, there would be like total approximately 2.9 million available. Yeah. Are there any implications to staff capacity that having an additional, okay. No, I don't think so, yeah. It's really just more the, um, it's really just more the strategy of either having a shovel-ready project today, like Emily was mentioning, you know, if there was a burning desire, someone had to spend this $300,000 and <coughs> we could certainly move forward. And I understand the, um, the benefit to that. Um, but there's also a local match, right? So these all three have 20% local matches, which then of course, um, none of your entities have also budgeted for, so to speak, because we didn't know this funding pool was even going to be available. Uh, so there just seems to be advantage to at least waiting till next winter for the two, the two smaller funding pools. And then again, unless anyone has a, a shovel-ready project, um, it may as well just wait till winter 25. 300,000 isn't buying much. It's not. Now, the tap pool is a little bit bigger, yeah. um, but, it, but those funds, regardless of when we actually allocate them, aren't available, the tap funds, till 27 and 28, just like our big pot of funds is. So we've got all these kind of moving parts, and it just seems like there's some advantage just to, just to waiting until uh, winter 25, which would be our next normal cycle, having all three funding pools and just move forward like we normally would. That was what the TAC recommended, but again, there's no... Um, there's pros and cons to each, and staff capacity certainly isn't one of them. I mean, it, it's we can we can do whatever the board would really like to do, and we mentioned the same thing to the TAC. They just didn't seem to have a burning desire to move forward um, super quickly, again because local matches haven't been established. Um, you know, there just hasn't been a lot of time to have that discussion about what project might be available. Can you remind us who serves on the TAC um, for Iowa City? Uh, well, so yeah. where, as I'm sitting here, I'm like, I don't really know the status of projects right. that could, you know, right? But we have technical like, yeah. expertise. Yeah, for Iowa City, it would be uh, public work director, engineer, uh, transit manager, assistant transit manager, 
I missing Another someone? engineer. There are two engineers. Two engineers, yeah. uh, senior engineer. Yep. And then each, and, and to be clear, all of your organizations have representation on our committee, and it's typically um, practitioners. So it's, yeah. it's typically city engineers, um, transit managers, paratransit managers in the case of the county, um, sometimes smaller staff. communities like Tiffin that don't have a lot of staff, uh, city managers. Yep. <laughs> like Louise. Sorry, Louise. <laughs> Louise. Yep. Sometimes it's mayors. That's right. Pulling all kinds of different duties. So I can reach out to you for some engineering work. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it rubs off. Thanks, on her. John. So, so, and to be clear, you know, the money is there. The money doesn't go away. It's really just a matter of. I know there's a philosophy of getting money out the door, and I respect that. So we just wanted to have that conversation with you all. That makes the 300 into 600 makes it a little more substantial also there's a benefit to that too certainly all right may i have a motion please move that we consider the approval of the mpo jc surface transportation block grant transportation alternatives program and carbon reduction program grant funding process i'll second all those in favor and, say. And sorry and just to be clear so that would be to so we'll go through as the, proposed by staff as proposed by the tech okay thank yeah. you all those in favor please say aye. Uh, aye aye opposed motion passes thank you thank you thank you uh, item 4f is the update on the mpojc fiscal year 24 Transportation Planning Work Program and FY2427 Transportation Improvement Program. Yeah, thanks. Just a couple of quick updates. Uh, the first is the 24 uh, Transportation Planning Work Program, uh, like the chair mentioned. Uh, the work program is as it sounds. It's a document developed each year to identify projects that we will address the next uh, uh, fiscal year. Uh, we developed that in coordination with you all, with the Technical Advisory Committee, and then the Iowa DOT. Um, and then the annual work program items also include all state and federally required planning processes and documentation, uh, ongoing and routine projects that we would do for your organizations, and then of course any special projects uh, that you all uh, wish that we conduct as well. Um, we will begin soliciting for the work program projects in February, but if anyone has any, um, any projects in mind that you'd like the MPO to work on, of course, you can mention that to myself or any of our staff uh, at any time. And then the draft uh, work program will be due to the Federal Transit Administration, Federal uh, Highway Administration, as well as the Iowa DOT by April 1st. And there again, why we'll have our next meeting uh, late March so we can get that approved. And then this board will approve the final work program in May. Any questions about the work program? Okay, the second part is the Transportation Improvement Program, which has come up a number of times already this evening. Uh, the Transportation Improvement Program is the programming document for federally funded transportation improvements within the urbanized area, including all uh, streets, highways, transit, and bicycle and pedestrian projects. Uh, the importance of the TIP is that it formalizes specific projects and the timeline and the funding <coughs> amount uh, that those federal funds are programmed for and then can be spent. That's the real, the real crux of what the TIP does for us. Um, back in 21, this board allocated uh, 7.38 million in our surface transportation block grant funds and $520,000 in our transportation alternative program funds respectively, and those are reflected in the current TIP. And then we also discussed that we'll be moving forward with allocating uh, a little more than $9.3 million this spring, uh, which will be um, included in our TIP that you all will see this coming July and will approve in July. And in preparation of the draft TIP, we will of course be working with all your staffs to make sure we've got uh, the programs and projects and funding amounts in the right years and that sort of thing. Uh, that also includes all transit projects. I think I failed to mention that. Any questions about the TIP, the function, how it works? Significance? Okay, thank you. All right, thanks, Ken. Next item is the verbal update. 
on the Crandick bus rapid transit study <coughs> for the MPO, from the MPO direct, JC director. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I didn't include a memo just because there's not a lot to be said, but um, as we discussed at your last meeting, uh, the MPO is moving forward with attempting to hire a consultant for a bus rapid transit study on the Crandick line. So you'll all remember that we've got uh, basically a three-part study that we already completed um, to see if passenger rail service could be provided between North Liberty and essentially South Iowa City. And then uh, you all had given us uh, the approval and the go-ahead to go ahead and look at bus rapid transit as well as an alternative so we can compare the two studies. Um, I have at this point a draft request for proposal prepared uh, and that is has been sent to uh, the Coralville um, transit manager the, the uh, University of Iowa CAN bus transit manager and Iowa City's transit manager um, because should we find out that this um, system is workable, those three agencies are going to be doing a lot of the heavy lifting. So I've asked them to take a look at the RFP and provide feedback to me. And once I hear back from them, um, I'll work with the uh, purchasing department here and we'll get that posted and see if we can't find a consultant to get this underway. So my hope is to have a consultant hired, um, say, by April 1st and then have a final product uh, late summer, early fall, if all goes well. And I'm happy to answer any questions you might have about it. Uh, Kent, do we have any uh, parameters on the study in terms of like what might happen to the surface or the track? Uh, you know, I mean, would it be, if, if they say, do you want to tear it up or do you want to cover it? Or I mean, do, do, have we talked about that at all? We haven't, and that's just part of the RFP. Is part of part of what we're asking the consultant to, to look at is basically our best options and provide cost uh, cost for those. Yep, that's right. I looked at the draft today. I couldn't see the funding mechanism for them. What's the yeah, skinny on that? Right. So there isn't a funding mechanism, uh, so to speak. So what we've got to do is is get a consultant here to actually give us an estimate. Say say it's a hundred thousand dollars. I'm sorry for the study. Yeah, for the study. Oh, okay, so if it's okay. $100,000, we'll say, I don't know what it'll actually cost, but let's say it's $100,000. Then because, because this is a little more complicated than one individual community moving forward with a study, I'll actually be reaching out to the different communities, um, which is the same uh, process that we worked through with the passenger rail study. So we actually then reached out and said, okay, everyone, um, you know, time to, time to pony up and help pay for this. Uh, and I know the county has shown some interest because they had set aside some, some funding a while back. Um, but I presume that most of the communities will be interested in at least helping support a little bit. The benefit of that, of course, is that we spread it out and it's uh, not as painful for anyone. Kent, on this item, I'll just uh, share a quick update. As you all know, this is like something I care very deeply about. And I think I told my colleague, Andrew Dunn, um, I'm shameless, so I'm just going to keep, <laughs> keep talking about it. Um, but uh, just last week, Katie Gerlach, who's the executive director of Better Together 2030, and Counselor Eric Siddig and myself met with a number of folks from the University of Iowa, including David Keft, uh, Amy O'Dean, who I think is project managing the UHC Hospital in North Liberty, um, and a few other a few other people on the capital project side just to kind of talk about employee transportation in particular because this is something that they care very deeply about and of course I think we're all familiar with the challenges of employee parking and transportation with the University of Iowa and UHC in particular. So they, um, what, what I gathered from that meeting and Eric I would invite you to, to please weigh in if, uh, if I miss anything is that um, they are planning at the North Liberty Hospital campus a bus turnaround around in the front of the facility hadn't really <coughs> contemplated uh, and that would be for patients hadn't really contemplated um, uh, any kind of bus infrastructure for staff and so I think they're thinking about that now um, the takeaway for me but also was just the kind of the urgency you know this facility is going to be operating in 2025 I think right so this is like very short term, very near future for us and something like this, uh, the study, if we need the data in order to go forward with that. And then, of course, they also just announced um, looking for a location in uh, southeast Iowa City for a very large family practice, family medicine, um, 70,000 square foot facility. So they'll have some needs there as well. I heard something like 400 parking spots anticipated for that facility. So hoping to organize all of that. But Eric, did you have anything else from that meeting? Okay. 
And, and no, that's a good point too, and, and thank you. One of the things that the um, request for proposal also includes is figuring out how to integrate, obviously integrate this system with what the three would already be. You know, are they, does this take place of other um, routes? Is this complementary to other routes? Um, does this hop off on Forever Green Road and go to the new hospital? And that was, of course, a criticism of the passenger rail is, while it's very, I mean, could have been wildly successful, you get to Forever Green and then you've got, um, what, three, four like blocks, miles, I don't know, yeah. yeah, to get to the new hospital where perhaps a bus could just jump off, actually service the hospital in the, at the front door, jump back on this, um, this you know, this uh, fixed corridor, so to speak, and then get about its way, so. So pressure's on is what I'm hearing. Yes, Laura. yeah, urgency. Well, also in terms of timeliness, the money that the county has set aside is American Rescue Plan Act money, and so there's a time limit on that as well. Yeah get that out the door yeah yeah and and this is good to know because um, consultants like anyone else have you know they have their needs and they have their other projects and they have uh, their own timelines but this is good to know because we may um, very well want to accelerate this and instead of giving them you know a typical time frame for something like this might be six to nine months but um, but I've taken note of this and we may say you know more like three to six months if we can get it done good. six Thank is you. probably more realistic but we can do the best we can Trust you to push them, Ken. Put a little pressure on them, mm -hmm. yeah. Thank yeah. you. No, this is good to know. I appreciate that. Any other questions about the study? Okay, thanks, Ken. Thank you. Uh, the next item is other business. Uh, report on the MPOJC. Severson Charity Challenge. Hi, Sarah Walls with the MPO. Um, this, as you'll remember from your last meeting, this is the last um, time we're doing the Severson Challenge. Many of you remember Linda, who worked for the MPO, um, our human services coordinator. So we've traditionally had this competition this year. Everybody worked together. And as noted in the memo, we raised just shy of $5,000. And that will be split among the food banks with a small amount of money, not to exceed $500, to go to a permanent memorial to Linda and we'll be um, consulting with our uh, park staff and, and some people who are close to Linda to pick out an appropriate memorial for her. So thank you very much to all of you that donated and to the staffs from your community. Yeah, I think it was pretty successful. Um, you know, we put a, a goal of $9,000, which was pretty lofty, but that was on purpose. Uh, but yeah, we came up with just shy of five, and um, I really appreciate everybody's donations. It was It's pretty special to us. And we haven't identified the exact memorial yet, but we're working on that, and we'll let you know once it's happened. And, and we're hoping um, it might even be a donation, and that way we can put the $500 back towards the food pantries as well. So thank you, but it was like ninety-five thousand dollars in total, I think, which is yeah, pretty special. That's right. Uh, over, over the that, over the twelve years. Yeah, that we something did, we, right we're not exactly 95. sure, but right about ninety-five thousand dollars, primarily from staffs of all of our uh, communities. So pretty cool. Thank you very much. Thanks, thanks, Sarah. All right. Last but not least, uh, I'd like a motion for adjournment. So moved. Second. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion passes. Thank you very much, everyone, for attending. I appreciate it.